Welcome to the Cosmic Goodie Bag. My name is Carla Cherry. I am your host. We are talking with spiritual seekers about cosmic theories, their personal path and expertise. Our mission is to help people expand their consciousness and their awareness and provide tools to help them find their personal power. Do you want some personal power? I'm tired of watching superhero movies. Don't you want to have a little bit of that for yourself? It is ascension times, people. We'll be talking ETs, multidimensional beings, Parallel universes, we cover it all. It's all in the bag. Why am I doing this? I don't know. Sometimes it's the red pill. Sometimes it's the blue pill. Sometimes you just slip and fall down the rabbit hole and you get a timeshare there. Thank you, everybody, for listening so far. We now have listeners in Australia, Sweden, Japan. I am so excited for you for this episode. We are talking all things witches. I have the high priestess of the Olden Wild Coven in Asheville, North Carolina. If you know anything about witches, you know there's a very strong population of them in Asheville and the mountains of North Carolina. And we tapped into literally the queen. Her name is Queen Lady Passion. She's written over 12 books. She's just amazing. She was so candid with me and open. I asked her so many questions because I know that you and I want to learn everything about witches in this witchy season. By the way, it's not called Halloween. I learned that it's Samhain. Get it together. Uh, She did invite me to Samhain and I'm so sad that I'm not going to be in North Carolina. Samhain is on Halloween. You know that. She explains in the interview, they dance, they sing, they levitate, they play with fire. I cannot believe I can't be there, but I'm definitely going next year. But you, if you're in the Asheville, North Carolina area, on Samhain. You are invited. She extended a personal invitation to the listeners of the Cosmic Goodie Bag, and that's you. So if you're in the area, I hope you definitely go and enjoy yourself. So here we go. Here's my interview. She talks about what she thinks of Disney witches, Harry Potter, learning magic, all the jobs of a witch, which is pretty extensive, the mentality, where history got it wrong, This interview is packed with information, so without further ado, here's my interview with Queen Lady Passion. Enjoy. Lady Passion is the High Priestess of Coven Old and Wild in Asheville, North Carolina. Her magical specialties include healer, herbal medicine maker, and creator of elaborate rituals for thousands. Born Dixie Dearman, she became a registered nurse in 1988 and she fought and won Dearman versus Beverly California Corporation, a law passed advocating for patient rights over hospital rights. Lady Passion has written many books about magic, including Candle Magic, Ask a Priestess, Wise Answers from a Real Witch, and The Goodly Spell Book. Please welcome Lady Passion to the Cosmic Goodie Bag. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to meet you and talk to you. You're most welcome. We do a lot of work with the media. That's what I see on your website. So I'm excited that you guys took time out for my show. So I'm very honored and I appreciate it. I have so many questions for you. So I'm very excited. Can we just dive in? Is that cool? Absolutely. I've got a lot of answers. (laughs) All right, cool. I like to ask everybody, I start with the, um, the same question. When was the first time when you knew you were a little different, like not like most people? When I was five. Okay. And I started reading people's minds that were in the church, grown-ups, adults, that I didn't know, um, maybe never even saw. 
Um, but I, you know, they were just the towns folks. I lived in deep rural East Texas. Um, and, um, I was with my adoptive mother. Uh, it was a beautiful day. We were just window shopping. We were probably too poor to afford anything. And I just started pointing out people and going, you know, she binge eats, uh, the fridge every night and nobody knows because she makes it go away. Well, that was before words like binge eating or what anorexia or any of that was known, uh, bulimia. So I didn't even know what I was saying. I was just telling their secrets. And um, that guy is um, tipping from the till, another phrase that, they, that I could not have known. Oh he was stealing, he was a deacon and he was stealing from the collection plate. Whoa. So I just started adding everybody because I was showing off. I thought, hey, everybody can do it, but I'm a, I'm a prodigy, I'm a little early. Um, and so I just kind of started showing up and she freaked out and realized then that she had adopted a demon baby. Um, so she did not take it well, but that's, that was my first taste of, oh, wow. I really, truly thought everybody, everybody did this. Well, wait, did she say that? Did she call? Yeah, she did. She was holding my hand. She, she threw my hand down so fast. It almost took my shoulder out of the socket. Uh, and then just just stood and and bawled me out in front of everybody, oh, swore me to secrecy. Don't ever do it again. Don't ever talk about it. You know how dare you? Uh, it's none of your business. But I could tell by the fright in her eyes that I was dead on accurate, and that's what really upset her. It wasn't that I was saying judgmental things. It was that I knew things that she knew I could not have. So that's when I knew I was different. Yeah. What a traumatic experience from your mother. Yes. But um, it let me know how very different I was. And I enjoyed having that ability to know that other people apparently didn't have. So I didn't shut it off. Right. I kept it under wraps because I didn't want to get beaten. But but I honed it in in private, in my closet. I would go into my closet and do spell work and, and, you know, I honed it under their noses. Okay. So that was actually my next question is, are most witches born a witch or do they become one? So if you're, if you're doing spells in your closet, how did you find out how to do that? It was an instinctual thing for me. Uh, Come to find out when I found all my people when I was 22 and then later genetics, uh, I have a very strong line of it. Um, My mother had, my bio mother had five kids and four out of us five, although raised separately and far, far apart by different families. Um, Cause she abandoned all of us at one point um, have practiced. So it must really run pretty thick in my family, but I believe everybody's born pagan, just like everybody's born with a sort of sense of right and wrong, mm. but um, they let life or choices or convenience uh, override their honing their gifts. Um, so witches in particular are just pagans that go further, deeper. We want to help more people with it instead of just celebrate. So I believe everybody's born with magical talents. I've never not seen someone that didn't have any. Oh, wow. So how do witches come up with their craft names and how did you choose the name Lady Passion? I didn't. I didn't choose any of my names. Uh, my, my full magical name is Queen Lady Passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, passion just means that uh, I have a passion for everything about magic, the craft, mm. uh, a real drive for it. I'm a, um, 
um, I wouldn't say an evangelist, but I mean, I do promote it um, and its merits. Um, it was given to me uh, decades and decades ago by someone who recognized that in me. And of course it stuck and I felt like it was quite suitable. Mm-hmm. Lady is a, a title, a magical title that you can earn when you become a third degree, which is the highest degree. It's the wow. most wise. Uh, and you become, um, you also become a leader, a high priestess, clergy, um, so that you can run your own coven. And queen is because I have uh, spawned many, many other covens. Daughter covens is oh, what really? they're called from my own mother coven. Oh, wow. my coven. So the tradition in the craft is that you put the last title earned first and on down the line. Okay. So not all high priestesses get to be queens because they don't always spawn a lot of covens, but I have. So I'm queen, lady, passion. So they came to you and said, they learned from you. Um, we want to go now and make our own in a different city. Yes. Well, we, I elevated them. I, I initiated them. We elevated them in rank until they achieved that, that same rank. And then because it would be fruitless really to have two high priestesses, two high priests, mm-hmm. you know, they go and they found their own coven instead and their own coven and perpetuate the traditions their way. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the coven steads have to be at least three leagues apart. So that gives everybody room mm-hmm. to, you know, fully freely express themselves without, you know, stepping on any toes or mm-hmm. feeling competitive or anything like that. How, how far is a league? How far is one league? It's about a mile. Okay. Okay. It's about three miles away. That's the minimum. Okay. Um, so you would draw a circle around where your, your coven stead, your home, the meeting place is. And that diameter, they shouldn't breach that diameter. Nice. But do you, you, but you all get together for certain high holidays? Oh, yes. We, we get together for gatherings. Uh, we have eight um, Sabbaths, holy, holy times a year, holy celebrations, about every six to eight weeks throughout okay. the year. Uh, and those uh, are geared towards the changing of the seasons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, where the sun is, where the earth is in, in rela- uh, relation to the sun. And so for those times, we come together for three-day weekends and, and, and go witchy crazy and have our fun and do a lot of, you know, uh, fire leaping and all kinds of neat stuff, Whoa. workshops and things we want to learn how to do. What's fire leaping? You're literally jumping over a fire? Or? Yeah, or through it or dancing in it. Depends on how ecstatic you get. I've danced in many a fire. Wow. I've levitated. There are things that are possible that are straight out of like Harry Potter, um, you just have to know how to do it. That's so cool. <laughs> so when you're in training to become a witch or to become a high priestess or whatever, those are some of the, the techniques that you are taught. This is how you do it. Okay, so I have to ask you, in, with science fiction movies, a lot of times people say that the creators were tapping into real events. What do you think... Jim Henson was tapping into with the dark crystal? Well, for me, I think it's a personal thing. I've been described all my life as a gelfling. Okay. And I have tiny bone structure uh, and it's a genetic thing. So I look a little alien to a lot of people. Uh, I do resemble a gelfling. I think he, he, he was well aware of certain magical things and, and mythology. And, and he tapped into that certainly with the gelfling that's a creature on the dark crystal. It really reflects a lot of me. Uh, people say I hide my wings because I, I'm, I, they've seen me do things that kind of defy physics. Mm-hmm. And so 
I don't know, but uh, I certainly do resemble her, and my body structure is a lot like hers. And Gelfling, had, do they have the pointy ears, too? And like They do. They do. And, and I do. Wow. <laughs> That's why I wear my hair long. <laughs> I'm hiding my pointy ears. That's so cool. Thank you for showing me. That's awesome. Okay, so what are some of the of your most impressive powers that you have that you're most proud of? I mean, we just talked about the fire. There are two things. One is called synesthesia. Okay. And it's a new um, scientific term that scientists just in the past 10 to 15 years have started studying. Okay. Some people, you know how some people, they have eidetic memories that anything they read, they'll always remember. Mm -hmm. Well, this is along those brain weirdness lines where uh, I see things differently. Uh, like if somebody is around me at a party and I'm not talking to them, but they're saying something to somebody else and I just happen to pick it up, their voice will create a color or sometimes a combination of colors. Okay. And it will float to me and it'll brush my cheek and I'll know whether or not they're lying uh, or whether they know they're lying or they're just unaware that they're lying or telling a falsehood or if they're, you know, whatever their motive is. It's the color that will hit me. Um, and then um, I can also know all about somebody, their surroundings, their past, often their future, just by talking to them on the phone or even interacting on email. Um, and so those, those are strange types of gifts that really do help me help other people. So okay. that, you know, I can tell if somebody calls me and says, you know, is my mate lying? Are they really faithful or are they unfaithful? Mm -hmm. I, I'll be able to tell them even though I've never met either one of them. So a lot of people find those kind of skills helpful. It cuts through a lot of, of um, doubts, uh, and then they can make choices. Okay. The other thing I really like that I can do is weather working. I'm mad with the weather. I can tell what's coming long before scientists know, um, and I can tell, uh, I, can, I can work with it many, many times to prevent our coven stuff from getting negatively impacted. I can redirect hurricanes, things like that. That's a pretty important skill. Wow. So those two I really like having. Because weather hurts a lot of people, you know. Yeah, what's hurting people right now in Florida? I bet yes. We were down there. <laughs> yes, it is. A couple days ago. Well, okay, so I had to just ask. Okay, so someone's talking near you, and mm -hmm. then, then you can see their words as a color, and it actually brushes your cheek. Right. The energy of their words, how would you describe that? Their, their words, um, it's not like I can see the, their words, but their words form a color. It's their intention that forms this color. And so no matter what their words may say, I like you. They may, their color may say, I freaking hate you. I can't wait to get away from you. Wow. Um, or... Um, you know, let me tell, you know, to be honest with you, that's a phrase people use a lot. Well, uh -huh. when they say that, uh -huh. then whether I get um, pale blue color, that's honesty. Okay. But if I get rust, they're not being honest. They're just, they're just um, BSing. Okay. Okay. And then I, and that's, that's even while being blind. So I don't have to be able to see them or have any context through that. And it's not even the tonal quality of their voice. It's simply what they say and what they what their meaning really is. So, and just for the listeners, she's you're fully blind. 
So you're yes. seeing this with your third eye. And so if somebody calls up and says, because you say on your, you have on your website, the service that right. you know, your boss or your maid is lying. I'm a human lie detector. You're a human lie detector. So, but if someone says, is my boyfriend lying? And you right. haven't been able to talk to him directly. How do you connect with those, with his words signed out? I connect with the person with the trouble, ah. with the, with the worry. Okay. Uh, we establish rapport very quickly. Okay. I take them at their word. I assume they have some reason to feel that. Okay. Uh, but just because they feel suspicious doesn't make it true. Uh -huh. And so I'm often able to allay their fears and go, no, he's pulling back for another reason. No, he's been truthful with you. Or I can say, you know, I, I hear that you think you have a great marriage, but mm -hmm. oh, how wrong you are. He's got three on the line. So, uh, and, and their names are thus and thus and thus, and you better, you better confront him real soon or get your stuff together before you do and take him for everything he's got. <laughs> so, you know, that's just what I do. That's super cool. I just want to cut right to the chase because sure. witches get such a bad rap. Yeah. And, um, you know, to me, there's such obvious good reasons for witches. I mean, with the natural things that are natural and the pagan, all that comes from such a good place. So mm -hmm. why do witches get such a bad rap? And where did that start? Uh, well, it started with uh, monotheism um, because, uh, you know, monotheists believe in only one God while witches believe in many, many gods and goddesses. Mm -hmm. um, monotheism wants... Uh, its adherence to um, to go with what the preacher, the pope, or a pastor says, mm -hmm. uh, and not listen to their own need for spirituality and make their own questing. They they don't want them to dig too deeply. They just want them to absorb the scripture and do as told. Whereas witches, we are bold. We're free people. Uh, we uh, love creative expression of our spirituality, and so that's a threat to them. Also, because of our talents, they don't have those. They suppress those. So they also think, tend to think uh, in terms of good and evil. And they tend to think, well, if I had those powers, I would misuse them. Ooh. So if I would, certainly they must, which just isn't true. It's also sort of a chip on their shoulder because there are more pagans worldwide than there are monotheists. And they've been losing people in droves. Uh, I, they can't be kept in the pew. Uh, they've been doing so many new things, trying to use music and even dance, sacred dancing, a lot of our stuff, trying to keep people in the pew, but it's not working. And all the statistics show that. And so they're nervous. Um, and we make them nervous. Um, we make a lot of uh, people nervous because of our abilities. And um, not because they're bad, but because they're, very true <laughs> and people try to hide a lot of things that they do or think or feel so for a lot of those reasons also because uh, pagan women are mouthy mm -hmm. we vocalize mm -hmm. uh, we can't be kowtowed um, and we'll come up against anybody um, I've lectured on panels with tons of important people in other religions and mop the floor with them and they don't know how to handle that because in, in monotheism, women are supposed to be very subservient. Mm. So our intelligence, we're well-read, our abilities, we have an uncanny way about us. Makes them nervous. Mm. That makes sense. Okay, so where do you think it went on? I mean, 
there was a time in witches were it was okay right like it was okay and nobody was questioning it and where did it all go wrong like historically well it's more and more that way still uh but the truth is it never stopped um christians come to my door they just make sure it's at night where nobody can see them Hmm. or they call me or they ask anonymous things People oh, yeah. know that witches had and still do have power. Mm-hmm. So when Christianity, uh, Yahweh failed them and they're not getting anywhere, they come to what works mm-hmm. and they always have and they always will. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in recent decades, I won't even say it started with Harry Potter, but when witches started writing about magic in the 80s, that's when it started to really burgeon. And we're the fastest growing religion in Canada, the United States, a lot of uh, developed countries around the world. That's interesting. So have you ever thought about rebranding the title witch? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Never. Um, I, I own it. I, I love it. I think uh, it fits and it suits. And I don't see any reason to dumb it down. First of all, mm-hmm. Christians are never mollified. You know, they're just not. There are groups of witches who even have the audacity to call themselves Church of the Iron Oak or something uh, in hopes that the area um, Christians will give them a break. They don't, and they won't. They just don't like us. They don't have to. Uh, So I don't think that dumbing down any of our traditional words and secret language uh, does our our religion any good, uh, and it certainly doesn't mollify our detractors. So I have no... I own them all. <laughs> cool. Okay, so your your coven Old and Wild, where did the name come from and why Asheville, North Carolina? Well, I wanted to get out of Texas. It wasn't very safe uh, for a person like me. Okay. Never was. What part of um, Texas were you in? Rural East Texas. Okay. Um, it just, it's a hard place and it makes people harder than they have to be. It's the heat and it just it kind of boils their brains, makes them crazy over time. And so they were just always really rough, physically uh, menacing. So I left and I was looking for a place. Mm-hmm. When I uh, came here, I felt that these mountains were very magically, uh, magical innately. Mm-hmm. And I could just almost smell witches all over, all over the place. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I don't know who they are. Didn't know anybody here, but I will find them. I will find them. Mm-hmm. And I, I did. Uh, and so I started with a ragtag group of, you know, tri-state pagans. Um, they had, you know, a leader that had some issues. Um, but I really wanted formal training. Mm-hmm. So when I, my mate and I met, um, I started teaching him what, everything I knew. He taught me Gardnerian tradition, British traditional witchcraft. And so when we got decided to form a coven together, we needed a name for it. Mm-hmm. And you get to pick your name for that, for sure. Um, and so there've been some fine coven names like blood and chocolate, uh, which I always <laughs> liked, um, you know, Neswick the Navernoo, um, that's a secret, which word, but anyway, so I just wanted to emphasize the fact that we were following the old religion okay, and that we were wild. We're wild people. We're, you know, we, um, we sing and dance on a Sunday, you know, we drink, we smoke, we carry on, you know? Um, so, and we're very passionate about that. And we think that's a, a lot of the fun part of the sacred fun aspect of being pagan. That's so cool. old and wild. That's cool. So mm-hmm. how far back does your lineage go? I know you were just touched on. But our Gardnerian lineage goes back to 1071. Okay. It was Julia, the witch of Renudin, who was burnt, burnt um, for refusing to spell for the king uh, during a battle. He put her up in a tall witch tower. 
which almost every city or burg had for centuries. Really? Uh, and that's where they imprisoned witches until they executed them. Um, and uh, she refused to. And she refused to, t to do a spell for him? Uh, yeah, to, to help him win this particular battle that he wanted to win. Oh, wow. And so she paid for it with her life. But we come from her. We come all the way down from her. So why don't you think she just did the spell? Because we don't like war. Uh, we don't like war of any kind. Mm -hmm. We don't see any winners. Uh, we mm -hmm. see it's uh, travesty uh, and injustice that goes along with it. And so that would have been unethical for her to, ah. to spell for him and to be used in that manner. Okay. We'll help a lot of people, but there, you know, there's some things we just won't do. Um, I had a developer once ask me, uh, offer to pay me $50,000 to stop um, working against him because he wanted to create millionaire condos and, and on, a, on a public park. Mm. And I said, no, I'm not going to accept that money. And no, I'm not going to spell on your behalf. Wow. So, I mean, even witches to this day just won't do it. Um, there's a lot we won't do for money. So if you won't do it, and do you feel like it's a karma thing? Like it's bad karma? No, it's just unethical. Uh, we're not worried about punishment. It's okay. just the wrong thing to do. Okay. We don't have morals. We have ethics, okay. um, which are big difference. Uh, morals can difference? be, well, morals are more situational. I mean, that's what Christians are always talking about. Well, we're very moral. Uh, and yet, you know, they might go honky tonking on a Saturday and then be in church on Sunday. That's morals. With ethics, you got to be, you got to try to live up to those ideals every single day. Uh, no exception. Okay. Okay. So, Okay. I wanted to ask you, um, when I looked on your website, I learned so much, by the way, I, I encourage everybody to go to your website, oldandwild.org. There's just a whole list of things that witches do do. So I wanted to see if you could just tell us a couple of those and educate people on that. Really, the sky's the limit, depending on what your power is or what your affinity is. Uh, we do everything from casting charts to help people, astrological charts, mm -hmm. to, of course, healing them, making potions and medicines from, from natural ingredients that are more potent than what you would get, say, at Whole Foods, health stores, things like that. Um, those are very weak. We make the real, real powerful stuff. Um, we officiate rites of passage, just like a preacher or pastor might do, you know, uh, marry and bury. Uh, we um, do a lot of counseling, a lot of crisis counseling, because people are agitated almost on a daily basis. They're too busy, they're unhappy, they're, you know, there's a lot that's scaring them. And so we reassure, we comfort. There's just a whole lot we do. For me, I also help inmates nationwide, the pagan inmates especially, uh, who are repeatedly and roundly persecuted on a daily basis. Uh, prisons are dominated by Christians and usually fundamentalist Christians. And so they're very hostile to um, pagan beliefs and practices. So since 95, I've been helping tens of thousands of them win their rights, uh, facility by facility and state by state. So wow. it's just kind of what you decide you want to do and what you're good at. For us, our coven uh, focus is um, education, educating okay. people about what our, what our thing, what paganism is and why it's good for you and advocacy. You know, any, anybody that's downtrodden, any injustice, we're all over it. So we might protest, you know, we lead protests and things like that. 
we tackle unfair laws and try to get them eliminated. Really, it just depends on, on how you want to use your powers. Wow. So wait, what's an example of somebody who went to jail for being a pagan? Well, okay. Uh, let's see. Well, you can get locked up for doing a peace protest. It depends on who your chief of police is. But we got rid of him. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, one woman got uh, arrested while pregnant uh, for divining, fortune-telling on the street. This really? is when I had started um, countering that, that North Carolina law forbidding divination, fortune-telling. And so, um, you know, I had started doing several protests in several area cities when I found out that, you know, even though it was an antiquated law from the 50s, probably a gypsy rousting law originally, Mm. Um, I knew if it was on the books, it's only a matter of time before they used it. Mm. So, uh, in a nearby city, uh, you know, some good old boy types tried to shut a psychic down, uh, a palm reader or something. I found out about it. I took the coven there. We did a big protest. And so then some of the other Asheville area pagans got hold of that, did a similar one downtown. And so it was just part of a push. And um, she did get arrested for doing that. I dared the cops to arrest me, but they wouldn't. <laughs> I dared them. I walked up to them. I said, please arrest me, please. Wow. They wouldn't. Do you think they were afraid to? Of course they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a little healthy fear. Fear, <laughs> in our case, is respect. That's, that, I love that. Okay, so you mentioned that a family called you for de-ghosting. Lots of families uh, do that around here because there are a lot of old home places. Mm -hmm. um, they want to, you know, they might come from New York, fix it up, and want to flip it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of these old home places are really haunted. Wow. And so they'll call me and they'll say, please help us. The ghost is chasing out, out potential buyers. And so I'll go and I'll take a look around or get a feel for the place and, um, you know, sometimes it's as simple as they have to re-fungshuate the place. Okay. Sometimes um, they have to do very specific, strange things to mollify, appease, or manage this particular entity that's haunting them. There are all different kinds. Um, I don't like the stinky, slithering ones. They can be very menacing. Not wild about blood dripping down the walls, which does happen. Um, but pretty much anything you can think of, I've seen it, and I've, I've braved it. Okay. Uh, and there are spells that you can use to banish them. Mm -hmm. One one couple uh, couldn't uh, empty their trash because every time they tried to go outside to do it, this uh, uh, red orb uh, entity would attack them Whoa. and scare them. And it scared their kids. And the kids couldn't go outside and play either. So they called me in a mad panic, but I knew what it was. It was a will-o'-the-wisp. It's a kind of entity, very intelligent. But because of its color, I knew that it was thirsty. So it was looking for water, wanting water. It was basically starving for water. So I told them to take a water hose and spray that whole area down. I told them to get a little kiddie pool, maybe a bird bath, give it some water. And then the color should change to green, hopefully even blue. Blue's the best. And that then the orb would actually be friendly to them. And they did, and they called me back so grateful that, you know, that simple little fix, you know, changed their family life. Oh and uh, stuff like that, word of mouth gets around, and that's how I get clients. So how do you know that? How do you know that 
that's what it was and how to do that? It's part of the training. It's also, once you get the basic rules of, of the craft down, they're called magical correspondences, uh, you know that, okay, it's an orb, it's got to be a will-o'-the-wisp, because will-o'-the-wisps will are orbs. Uh, and it's not a gray orb, so it's not a ghost like you would find on a photograph, like, say, okay. at a cemetery. So then, then you talk to them, and they say, and it moves, and it moves with intention. It, it's obviously smart. Uh, and so you're like, yep, yep, will the wisp. Okay, if it's red, it's angry. If it's angry, what does it need? And I know what I know from, from having seen many will-o'-the-wisps. They love to live in the deepest part of the forest where there's lots of water and stream and mushrooms the sides of your head. Very primordial places. That's where they're safe. And so I assumed that it needed water. And I took, you know, I took what I knew. And I'm, I'm like, this is what I think will work for you. And uh, sure enough, that's all it needed. Where? Magic makes sense. It really makes sense. It operates on these universal rules that are pretty inviolate. And if you just uh, use your common sense and you have all these experience, you built up a bank of information and knowledge in your head until then pretty much almost nothing scares you anymore or uh, surprises you anymore. So did you ever, because you obviously had to train at some point, did you ever have a... Years of it time where you were trying to make a, like a ghost or something go away and you hadn't quite gotten it yet and it scared you did you ever have anything like that happen no but almost every witch makes at least one magical mistake while they're working mm -hmm. on it and they never forget that magical mistake mm. uh once my magical my one magical mistake and then they never repeat it it's just mm -hmm. the one time they do it and and, and they learn from it mm -hmm. um i reluctantly helped the co-worker work a spell against uh, a worker of both of ours, a male nurse mm -hmm. who was very rough with the patients, um, broke a woman's back, didn't oh, no. show any remorse for it when he was lifting her and doing stuff. So we, we felt like he was dangerous mm -hmm. and the administration wasn't listening. So we wanted to tackle that. And okay. so even though I don't normally work spells with other people that aren't my students or my coven mates, mm -hmm. um, she, you know, I loved her and, you know, I, I tried. Well, the spell didn't hit him, but it did hit his brother. Ooh. Big time. <laughs> and so, yeah, he was off the unit for a while going to his brother's funeral. Oh, shit. But uh, that was not our intention. So... You know, we did, and it was powerful. But, you know, I realized then, you know, don't work spells with just friends anymore. Give them a spell, and if they're really into it, then they'll do it themselves. They'll take responsibility for what they want. There you go. I wanted to ask you, um, is it true that in North Carolina, if a, if a person shouts Bible verses at a witch during a ritual, they can be arrested? They can be arrested for doing a lot of things. Anything that people that are conducting a religious ceremony mm -hmm. um, uh, say is disruptive, mm -hmm. then they can be arrested for that. And we have had many arrested for that sort of thing. Um, there's a law that protects uh, religious rights mm -hmm. in North Carolina and in many states. Of course, it's intended to protect Christian, Christian rights or whatnot, monotheist rights, but it works for us too because we're federally recognized. Mm -hmm. So if you know, there's any hostility 
uh, we can always do that. What we do is when we have big public rights, we just post the law. Um, but we play a lot of drums and music. We're having so much fun. Or we're dancing that we just turn our backs on them. They don't bother us because we're focused on what, having fun and doing what we're doing. Uh, and that upsets them. That frustrates them. Too bad for them. Mm-hmm. They have to stay far away from us. And they are, you know, surrounded by the police where we're left alone to do what we want to do. We don't mind using the law when, when it protects us and protects people that, that uh, trust us to keep them safe in, during rituals. So speaking of laws, you fought and won to get the law Dearman versus Beverly California Corporation passed. Can you tell me about that? Well, they um, were the largest corporation in America of their kind. Okay. They owned about a billion nursing homes. Okay. Had a patient. She was 93. And a lot of people would have just said, oh, well, she's 93. But she suddenly stopped eating. And I'm like, you know, she's got ways to go. She could live longer. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm an RN. I'm in charge of her care. I'm not going to let this happen. So I kept calling our physician to get him to do something about it, come visit, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Well, he wouldn't. He just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets paid whether she lives or dies anyway. Wow. So. Uh, because I was the care plan coordinator for the entire facility, all of, all of the patients, um, you know, her nephew, who was a grown man, you know, older than me at the time, uh, he was also a physician, but he came down on his day off because he was very concerned about her deterioration. So I told him point blank, he said, what should I do? And I said, well, I think you should re, you know, consider your choice of doctors here because he's not answering my phone calls and he's letting her go. And, you know, I'm telling you, she's got fight in her and she's got more time. Mm-hmm. So if that's important to you, then I think you should. Mm-hmm. Well, because I follow the Nurse Practice Act, that was illegal for them to fire me for that. But they fired me because they were saying it, I had an unwritten rule about talking bad about a doctor. Uh-huh. Well, I said, codified healthcare rules and the Nurse Practice Act that, that my license hangs by Oh, yeah. um, overwhelm any kind of unwritten 1940s BS like that. Mm. So I sued them and I went all the way to the North Carolina Supreme Court wow. and I won. And uh, the consequence of that is that no nurse now can be fired arbitrarily, hire and fire at will, um, just simply by, you know, fulfilling her job duties and trying to save lives. Before awesome. they could, now they can't. So it helps people's lives. It saves lives. That's amazing. And, you know, eventually we did also get the anti-divination law rescinded okay. statewide. Okay. So now uh, pagans and witches can, um, you know, do divination however they want. They can do it for pay. They can do it for beagles, whatever they want to do. That's so, awesome. you know, when we see problems like that, that's part of our educational focus. We want to eliminate bad laws that suppress our faith. That's awesome. Okay, so I had to ask, I have to ask you this. On your website, you recommend a list of books, and among them is Plato's Complete Works. Mm-hmm. And you say, quote, you can learn more about magic and witchcraft from a handful of Plato's dialogues than you can from a warehouse full of popular modern books. Sure. What are a few of those things? Well, you know, Plato talked a whole lot about uh, the concept of a good society. Mm-hmm. Now, albeit he was a male and a product somewhat of his times, mm-hmm. he did, uh, he believed in daemons, 
which uh, most people now call demons, but they're really the spirit or essence of a thing. Mm -hmm. He believed in, in uh, people's, uh, you know, sort of better angels of their nature. He also identified the fact that, you know, people also can give into their baser nature. There's just so much about platonic uh, philosophy that paganism is based on. Pythagoras and, and a lot of the magical math that we use, um, you know, derives from that time. Uh, we also love lots of other uh, extremely obscure books that are dynamite. Um, and you, you can spend 20 years buying $5 books that repeat the same stuff or conflict, mm -hmm. you know, about magic. They're very shallow. Or you can dive right into the best books that are available that'll get you far fast. That's why we do the recommended uh, reading, uh, Old and Wild's recommended books. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the authors uh, because it's circled with me. And wow. so I can tell you things you'll never hear anywhere else. You'll never read anywhere else. <laughs> Insider stuff. And, and I, I call a spade a spade. It's a, the book is popular, but it's crap. I say it. Right. And so I give them, I, I rate the books according to how much they'll help you uh, and, and how fast and uh, whether they're not even worth the wood pulp they're printed with. Wow. So yeah. people should go and check out that list. if they're Absolutely. Interested. Because yeah. reading is, is uh, if you, especially if you don't have access to a high priestess in your pocket, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a great start. And you can do a lot on your own until you can find a teacher uh, or a coven or a group that you feel real comfortable with. So also on your website, um, you mentioned at Washington, President Washington's uh, funeral. Mm -hmm. in, the, in 1799, the mourners threw sprigs of acacia. Is that how you pronounce Acacia. It? Uh -huh. Acacia into his grave uh, to symbolize the rebirth of Osiris. So mm -hmm. why Osiris? Osiris was always pictured with um, blue skin, okay. which, which actually uh, mimicked decomposition. He okay. was both the god of life, but also a god of death. And so um, acacia was often burned in ancient times for, for purification okay. uh, that you might uh, burn while during the mummification process or just to, you know, cleanse from a death area. It's got a very high note. Uh, it's a lot like balsa wood. Uh, it's still very pungent and which is still use it as an incense a lot. And so uh, since the founding fathers, they weren't Christian, they were deists, uh, very different. They were also Freemasons. Uh, so they had a lot of magical uh, aspects to them. Okay. Um, they did that as an honorific. They did it to say he was, you know, he is, is that important uh, to, to our country. He's the equivalent of Osiris. Wow. And we hope that he or his like will continue to help our country. What is a deist? A what? But you said they were, he, they were deists? Oh, deists. Yes. Well, they didn't believe exactly in one god okay. they believed that there were different kinds of gods and goddesses as well as pagans they believed uh, in providence which you know is kind of an all-purpose good well-meaning mm -hmm. energy mm -hmm. uh, they did you know they gave lip service sometimes to to yahweh but uh they were not huge about it in fact they saw much menace in it uh, and they saw how it could really hurt and having come from religious persecution a lot themselves they saw how that monotheism which was dominating at the time mm -hmm. had hurt millions of people in europe and and their own country uh, between heretic wars 
and all this stuff, Catholics versus Protestants, they were most anxious to avoid all that. There's been this resurgence of people believing that the founding fathers were not just Christian, but uber Christian. So they're not, and that's false and that's patently false. And, uh, you know, uh, monotheists in general aren't big on uh, true history. Mm-hmm. They're big on revision history. Mm-hmm. They're big on painting history the way they want it to be, but not as it actually has been documented. And, you know, up the end, uh, we've got a whole page on stuff that'll blow your mind about, you know, the founding fathers and George Washington and what they really did and what they said and what they wrote. Ben Franklin, a, a lot of key players, you know, simply, they, they would laugh at that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. So you believe in multiple gods and goddesses. Yeah. Um, who are some of your favorite goddesses? I love Kuan Yin. Okay. She is a, a goddess of a bodhisattva of compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, she won't, she has chosen not to reincarnate as a human or on this planet until everybody's, uh, feels compassion and empathy for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a real sad story, uh, Mithwa. Uh, she was fishing with her father. And a storm came up and he pitched her over the side. He was panicked. He mm-hmm. tried to crawl up and get into the boat and he cut her hands off. Mm-hmm. So she died sadly, but she was always known for her compassion. And she goes, Quan Yin, Quan Yin became, uh, is, uh, in Korea, Canon, which, you know, the Canon photograph mm-hmm. uh, camera company, mm-hmm. that's named after Quan Yin, the goddess of compassion. She's Asia's, which Asia's a big place. Asia, Micro-Asia, all over. She's one of their primary goddesses, including in Vietnam. And that's how she got into our book of shadows because one of Gardner, Gerald Gardner's uh, high priestesses grew up in Vietnam. So she revered her. I've done a lot of work with her. She's one you go to in panic because she hears people's crying in the night mm-hmm. and, and she has empathy and she'll, she'll, she'll show you compassion. I love Hecate. Okay. She um, was the first female goddess of the ancient Greek pantheon. Um, but I believe she came from Hect, who was a frog goddess in ancient Egypt. Okay. You know, there's just so many. Oh, my goodness. And so, and then I love Orzili Danto. She is uh, sort of Hispanic African. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ha- she's a woman who protects uh, single parents of girl children. Oh, wow. Uh, I was a single parent of a girl child. So, I mean, we have that in common. She's uh, rough and tough, though. She's got scars on her face from um, defending bad people against her girl child. Mm. There are too many to count that I deeply revere, love, and cultivate and work with. Work with. <laughs> right. Well, what was the last one's name with, of the, the single parent goddess? Urzili Danto. Mm-hmm. She's often depicted almost like a black Madonna figure. So she's got, she's dark and she's got her girl or a babe in the crook of one arm and a knife ready at the other. Ooh. (laughs) That's right. I love it. Yeah. Because I was a single parent. You know, they can, kids can do crazy things sometimes. So you go to Urzili Danto and say, please, Urzili, help me. (laughs) Where was she when I needed her? (laughs) Yeah. Well, now, you know, you can look her up. That's right. That's right. So, okay. Speaking of goddesses, I'm kidding, but do you think Stevie Nicks is a witch? Oh yeah. She's one of them. Absolutely. Yeah, she absolutely is. And, and, and in later life, she's made no bones about it. 
and I, we're all glad for that. You mm -hmm. know, um, we think she's a fine representative. Because mm -hmm. she dropped clues in her songs, and then she was in um, American Horror Story Coven. She's an example, I think, of an innate one mm -hmm. uh, who later got training, a lot like me. Uh, okay. It took me, you know, I was in my 30s before I got formal training. So I was practicing from the time I was 13 until 30. And I just ran out of spells to do by myself. I couldn't, there wasn't anywhere else I could go. I either grew or die. And so I chose to start working with other people. And I prefer that. You, work, you learn faster uh, when you work with others. You Did do. you train in Asheville? Yes, but I, I had to get made. I had to get initiated all the way across the country in Berkeley, California. Really? Is where my mother covered them. Ah, so you have to go back to the... I had to go back and be initiated by then um, to, to get into the tradition. Oh, wow. Um, did you ever listen to American Horror Story? Did you ever partake in that show? I never saw it, um, but we have minions everywhere, all over the world, that tell us good things and bad things that are happening in the witchcraft world. Okay. Um, they love the Stevie part, I hear. Uh, I have no idea whether they were accurate or not remotely. Okay. I do not know. So I understand that you, you yourself have taught hundreds of students magic. So what is it? Probably thousands at this point. Wow. Literally. So, oh, and not to, well, uh, who to knows how many with the books, but yeah, sure. So that's, first of all, that's amazing and incredible. Um, so what is some, what, what's an example of like a beginner? Would you hate the word magic trick? Or is that? No, no, no. I use, I use witch tricks as a phrase all the time. Witch tricks. Okay. Yeah. So what's, what's an example of a, a beginner witch trick? I think playing with fire, okay. showing people how they can pick it up and play with it. That's beginner? Yeah. Oh my That's just starting working with the elements, uh, air, fire, water, and earth. Showing them how they can work with that and do amazing things with that. How they can, uh, okay, you know, let's do, um, you know, water today. Uh, thunderstorm's coming. Here's, here's a staff. Here's how you can stop that storm. And, and you know, here's how you do it. And uh, here's the posture. Here's the attitude. Here's what you're thinking or chanting. And, and then you know, throw them into the fray. And, and once they see what they can do, that's what proves to them beyond any doubt that magic works. We can tell them all day. But, and they can read about it. But when they see it with their own eyes, when they experience it, that's what makes them believe. Yeah. So in your, in your book, The Goodly Spellbook, you explain that old spells work in modern time because they're based on universal patterns and principles. That well, no, people don't change. Okay. Times may change, but people don't. Mm -hmm. What people want is very basic. They want love and security. They want enough food. They want shelter. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to be understood. You know, they want to feel attractive, you know, basic things. Uh, they want to be healthy. Um, and so because human beings are so very basic in what they want, um, you know, myriad spells ha have um, been used and, and honed for centuries, millennia. And so we use those because they always work. And uh, they're, again, predicated on magical rules that are inviolate. They will work if you work it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of stuff that's made up now these days, um, it's not going to work. And good luck to you. Good luck trying. <laughs> well, you say that um, 
a couple of the principles are like attracts like, opposites repel. You can cure something by using a poison. There are, you know, inversions of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they all operate on, uh, we have a whole section uh, on how magic works. Here's how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, these principles are what fuel any spell. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, proximity, if you have something of someone's that's closer to you, you can work that like a puppet mm -hmm. and affect them. Whereas if you just simply thought about them and tried to work them, it would be more difficult. Ah. A tangible ob or object that's you know, proximal to you, close mm -hmm. to you, that's always better. So these rules, they, they also are very basic and they do work. Mm -hmm. One of the few spells that caught, I mean, all of them look interesting, but one that really caught my eye was one for abundance. What, for abundance. Mm -hmm. Can you? Yes. Um, we encourage people to think along those lines mm -hmm. because um, a lot of people think in just terms of money and quote, well, what is money and wealth? Mm -hmm. Money comes in, money goes out. Wealth, what is that? Um, whereas if you think in big terms of abundance, that is benefit from, at you from all manner of direction mm -hmm. uh, all the time. It's just more wise approach. Uh, that means, you know, you might get a donation to buy, you know, a roof, a new roof, right. uh, which you knew you didn't have. Mm -hmm. uh, but instead of saying, I want to be wealthy so I can buy a mega mansion, mm -hmm. you were wise to say, I need abundance. Uh, Ruth is one of my needs. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't care how it comes to me. Right. Uh, but come on, uh, you know, abundance gods, bring it. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are, there are abundance gods and goddesses. So we just think it's a healthier and um, more ethical approach to the, the concept of money and survival and thrival and all that. Mm-hmm. So in order to be, in order to become an initiate, first, second, or third degree priest mm -hmm. or priest, on your website, it says they have to accept certain responsibilities. What are a few examples of these responsibilities? Well, with first degree, you're really getting to know yourself. Okay. You really get to know what you can do um, and what you should be able to work with, you know. Uh, this, so in order to have, be able to eventually help other people, which is the hope that if you get these powers, you'll use them to help other people, not just yourself. Okay. Um, which, what a waste. Right. Um, you have to, you have to know yourself first and you have to really scrub yourself of all the negative stuff about witchcraft and personal power, men and women, a lot of stuff's been drilled in people's heads, you know, their whole lives from, from their parents and church and school and just everything and so that has to be gotten rid of um it has to be you have to set better better ideas mm -hmm. uh really scrubbing your heart and your mind for those prejudices you know that's a responsibility it really is and a lot of people can't take it uh you know they just they just want to go along and get along um but i think it's better if you do mm -hmm. um then at second degree you're trying to work more and more with the wider craft community, getting okay. to know them, trying to see where you fit in with that, what you can do to help with, with the community, uh, how, what role you might be able to take on and fulfill that you'll be known for. And then with third degree, of course, you have to take all comers, even when you don't like them, mm -hmm. even when you would never want to eat out, you know, dinner with them or anything mm -hmm. uh, or hang around them. There's still people in peril. 
And so you have to put your feelings aside and be selfless. And a lot of people just have no concept of what it means to help people on a selfless level. Interesting. So those are some of the responsibilities. Interesting. So what do you think of Halloween and the traditional witch costume, like the pointy hat and the broom? I'm fine with it. There's a lot of uh, reasons for that. Okay. Uh, witches did wear capes, and we still do, black capes and a lot of black clothes, mm -hmm. because um, we were walking to the Sabbath to celebrate, mm -hmm. and everywhere around us in the woods, there was a witch finder looking to get us, arrest us, and kill us. Wow. So if we wore black, if we wore these amorphous capes, and we could blend into the tree trunks, mm -hmm. um, they couldn't tell from behind if we were a man or a woman or a teenager or how old we were really. Um, so it gave us cover. And we, we continue to do that to this day in honor of those people that didn't make it. Wow. Uh, you know, and as for the witch hat, that's a copitan. Okay. Uh, it's an old, old hat that has been worn for centuries. Um, and that's copitan is a witch word. Uh, we have our own secret language. And so I'm fine with that. Um, a lot of people believe that, that the pointy hat came from the dunce cap that uh, a lot of heretics were forced to wear right before they paraded them up to the pyre and burnt them to death. And so a lot of witches were called heretics for a long time. So, you know, again, that too goes, goes back. Wow. So do you believe, I just have to ask you, do you believe that you were reincarnated? Do you believe you're a witch at a different time? I have been witchy at different times. Mm -hmm. I had a, a life in Egypt, not as a high priestess, but as a priestess, mm -hmm. where um, I was uh, supportive of a high priestess. Mm -hmm. uh, and I shook a sistrum in front of her, uh, in front of her as she was walking behind us up to the temple. That was my function. That was one of my functions, was to shake the sistrum. To this day, I make my own sistrums because I, I remember that life so well. And um, Wait, what's the system for people that don't know? Um, it's uh, it's a musical instrument. Uh, you can shake it with one hand or two. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's uh, often made with a metal loop at the top, mm -hmm. uh, like a cartouche, um, and then um, some copper uh, strings, and then uh, zills or bells or things uh, strung on those wires, so that when you shake it, it makes a beautiful tone. I um, do my own version. I make them out of local Appalachian twisty willow wood. And I make mine in a Y shape mm -hmm. so that the, the handle is the bottom and the Y is the part where I string the zills and the different, the different uh, musical okay. uh, things. And they're so really beautiful. So what's the purpose, though? It's, it's just to kind of set the top. Uh, it's a musical cue. It reminds people to be um, to be reverent. Mm. Uh, something sacred is happening, so be quiet, <laughs> be reverent. You know, let the music fill you and make you feel what you're supposed to be setting your heart up to feel. Oh, interesting. That's so cool. So, so witches use a lot of cues. We use uh, anointing each other with o scented oils as a cue, uh, an olfactory cue. Okay, you're about to be admitted into the circle. Now you're, you're being anointed. Smell that scent and, and start focusing on what, the magic to come. So we might use oil, scents, um, candlelight, music, different things as cues to all build up to that, that expectation of magic. So in the show, 
American Horror Story Coven, some of the girls, of course it's TV, so of course they're sure. going to play it up, but a couple of the girls, of course, get catty with each other and do witch tricks against each other. Does that ever happen? And do you have Yes, you can zap each other. It's not good. They call them witch wars. They're okay. horrible things. Okay. I try to stay out of it. Uh, I'm too busy, frankly. But, yeah. And so, because of that, Mm -hmm. uh when diva and i got together mm -hmm. we were both so dang powerful we made a vow never no matter how mad mm. will we zap each other and to our credit so far as i'm aware we have not or not we wouldn't still be alive and we've been together 26 years so wow. that that's a rule that i think that especially if you're a witch couple that's super cool and we should just give a shout out your you call partner you say partner mate mate so your mate his name is let's just you say yeah so you guys have done this yeah the whole way yeah and you know people don't think that men can be witches men aren't warlocks they're witches to warlock somebody is a terrible thing it means they've broken a horrible vow uh shown distrust outed somebody as a witch that didn't want to be outed ah. or, or stole something you know it's terrible uh to warlock somebody okay uh, but that's a punishment that's not a that's not a term that describes male witches. Oh, a witch is a witch is a witch, male or female. Doesn't matter. That's super cool. Okay, so mm -hmm. on on this show, we talk a lot about ETs, and mm -hmm. you and I were talking before, and you surprised me with this incredible experience. So I would love for you to share. I guess you you were seventeen. Is that what you said? You were younger. I believe I was nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. so I think I was nine, uh, barely nineteen, maybe eighteen. Um, and I did. I, I saw two V-shaped alien craft dock in midair uh, at night with nothing but stars in the sky, not a cloud in the sky. Uh, I was sitting on a bluff with uh, the guy that I was, you know, dating at the time in the, in the back of a Jeep, just looking out over the stars. It was kind of romantic. Uh, no drinking, no smoking, no reason for hallucination. Uh, I had no frame of reference for it. It just came out at one of them. One of the V-shaped craft must have been a mile or two. It was huge, in the, you know, in, in, uh, in size. Um, came and uh, silently and just hovered in front of us. And then uh, I was so dumbstruck by that. And then another one came from the opposite side and interconnected. Like mm. so two V-shaped craft docked like that. That's so crazy. And no, no sound, no nothing. Really? Hovering there forever. And they were both the same size, two kind of mothership lights. Mm. Uh, and uh, they pinned us. They, they did something to render us uh, paralytic. Wow. And, uh, but they didn't harm us, to my knowledge. Uh, but we couldn't move. We couldn't speak. We could hardly breathe. Mm. Um, we were so shocked by it, though that we broke up a week later because he wouldn't talk to me about it and i could not not talk about it right. I was, it changed my life uh, i mean i had been a witch for many, several years by then but i wasn't sure about aliens until well, you know how do you know anything for sure until you see it yourself you know did you tell anybody oh yeah i uh, drew it from my art final i was in fine arts college and uh, i made an a uh, and uh, I've gone on to write about it many times, lecture about it many times. Really? Um, yes. Oh, yes. I, it uh, it reappeared. One of them reappeared over Phoenix um, many years later. 
Uh, I saw mine in 1982. Um, they didn't see another one until over Phoenix uh, on my birthday in 1997. Crazy. And you were in and Texas when you saw it, right? Yes, I was. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's obviously a type of alien craft. Since then, at different times, I've seen a saucer uh, with my daughter. Uh, and then I saw a cigar-shaped craft uh, coming home from a gym show with one of my third degrees. He was driving. And we were going on a bridge, and it just paralleled us. And so I think it's odd that one person has had that many yeah. visual experiences. I wouldn't be able to see them anymore. But I did have those encounters, those, those uh, sightings before I went blind, yeah. So when you, with your daughter, um, where were you there? And then the third one, where were you? Well, um, I was at the top of my street, which uh, goes into a sort of a hill. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had stopped at the top, you know, to look both ways before I pulled out. We were going to go, we were going to the grocery store, which was just about a quarter of a block, uh, of a mile away. In very Asheville. close by in Asheville. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, at the top of the hill, when I, you know, hit the brake, was a gigantic silver saucer. Wow. And I'm like, wow. And my daughter was, wow. <laughs> and so we just, you know, we just, okay, well, we're in it. So we just went ahead and went to the grocery store. What? By the time I got to the grocery store, everybody was talking about it. I mean, really? everybody, did you see it? Did you see it? I'm like, God, I can't believe it. And so I assumed it would be all over the radio, all over the, the news, and nothing. And nothing. everybody was talking about it on the streets and in the grocery store, or everybody was talking about it? In the it? grocery store. Wow. Everybody. I mean, it was, they were a buzz about it. Like, they'd just seen zombies. And, and yet there was no coverage of it at all. And that was what year? No. Um, my daughter was about, I guess she was nine or 10 at the time. Mm -hmm. That would have been 94 or five. That's crazy. Yeah. And then of course, uh, the cigar shaped one, that was many years later. That was probably, oh, I'm sure it was in the middle of the aughts at some point. Yeah. What color was the cigar shaped one? It was um, a dark metal color. Okay. It wasn't shiny, um, silver like the saucer. Now, the, I couldn't even tell what color the V-shaped craft were. The lights were what really caught my attention. They had wow. big lights on them wow. and in the V-shape. So that's what I was mesmerized by. I understand they're supposedly metallic too, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. But they were white lights, uh, no color. But yeah, um, so that sort of experience, uh, witches and pagans we really don't know how aliens fit into our um, theology mm -hmm. i guess if, if if anything we believe that they exist mm -hmm. um we don't know about an agenda we don't know but uh are they deities or or kinds of deities we don't know mm. um that's one thing i like about the religion though you don't have to know everything that's right. why they call it the mysteries mm -hmm. you can leave some things you know to go who knows maybe we'll know someday but that's interesting that you three times. Yes, three separate occasions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, we just have a couple more questions and then we're, we'll wrap up. I wanted to ask you because right now there's just this whole Me Too movement thing happening. Mm -hmm. Do you think that women in general give their power away? And if so, how do you suggest that they stay in their power? I think uh, people who think that women give their power away, it's kind of like saying, gee, why are you uh, a slave? Mm -hmm. You know, slaves didn't want to be slaves. And women don't want to be powerless. The problem is 
that um, the minority of the species mm-hmm. um, has for some eons now um, suppressed and repressed the majority of the species, which is women. Mm. Women account for 51% of the species, and yet we're being treated like, you know, terribly mm-hmm. uh, in a million ways uh, from not getting equal pay for equal work done to the dismissiveness that you see have seen recently in Congress with the Kavanaugh Mm -hmm. uh, versus the Blasey testimony. I mean, it's rampant Mm -hmm. and this is in a developed country. There are lots of countries that are even worse. On a planet scale, women don't give our power away. They take it. They, they refuse to accord it to us. Mm. We fight for our power, certainly in witchcraft. um, The women, the woman is the high priestess and she rules the coven. Uh, the males are supposed to advise and enable, mm-hmm. but they don't rule because um, they are not, they don't have everybody's best interest at heart. They tend to be, uh, can be rigid and okay. can tend to, um, you know, just be driven in a way that doesn't take everybody's needs into account. Whereas women are nurturers. Right. And so I think a lot of men uh, take advantage of our nurturing qualities um, you know, they say things like, well, you can't trust women. They're emotional. What, like that's a bad thing. Uh, that's a good thing. And, and when, when men get more emotional, uh, you know, they care about the planet more. Mm. And so the more women, uh, refuse to be silent, the better off the planet will be. And I'm part of that. Um, and, uh, I teach women to be part of that too. That's awesome. Oh, I love how you put that. Fantastic. So, okay. I'm going to ask you one more serious question and then a, a couple fun ones and then we'll be Okay. What's the most pressing issue of our time and how do we fix it? Well, we just touched on, I believe the most pressing issue is sexism. Okay. Wow. I see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Racism, bad. Ageism, bad. Those are bad. Mm-hmm. Sexism, that's the majority of the species and it really affects the whole planet. Mm-hmm. When you've got countries that won't let girls go to school, nice. when you've got countries that deify boy children at the expense of girl children in every way, then that's going to impact what happens to that planet because women as a whole are more nurturing. We are more conservative. We like to can, we like to preserve literally. And so when, when men get off uh, their power trip Mm -hmm. and they let women, you know, really take control, uh, I think the planet has, if they don't, I'm not so sure that it does. Mm. So I see sexism as a real hot father. Um, and, and people had not been talking about it. And I, I take credit, some credit mm-hmm. for it being a topic in the Me Too movement and today because I did a spell about it. I'm so incensed by what I see mm-hmm. and its implications planet-wide. Uh, so yeah, and I'm working on it steady. Wow. I'm not going to let it go till it's better. <laughs> That's fantastic. This has been so, I could talk to you forever. Okay. So I, <laughs> I just want to, um, I want to end with some fun questions. Um, okay. I know that witches love candles and I wanted to ask you what your favorite candle scent is. My favorite as a Pisces is sea scent. Okay. But the truth is that most witches don't burn scented candles Ah, really? because we're already burning incense. Okay. For a specific reason, okay. we often use unscented candles so that it won't conflict with the incense. Ah, so what's your favorite incense? My favorite incense, I like copal, 
which is um, tree tears. It's um, pine sap. It's what? Pine sap. Pine sap. Ooh. Yeah. And another term for that is copal. C-O-P-A-L. And, and it's an oldie, but it's really goody. It, it works for lots of different things. Then my second one would probably be myrrh. It's very dark, very midnight broody, um, Egyptian witchy scent. So I like copal for you know more like temple type incense that's mm-hmm. non-threatening. Mm-hmm. And then I love myrrh, uh, which is uh, threatening. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, it is. Oh, let's get busy with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what's your favorite witch holiday? Well, Samhain. And that's why I've led all these public salons for decades, um, because it's the most difficult, has the most um, assumed misunderstandings about it and, and assumptions about it that are incorrect. It, it's when I feel the best all year. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. My temperature's just right. <laughs> uh, I like a little bit of nip in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like one of the witchiest times of the year Mm -hmm. um you just want to kick up your heels and cackle you know so (laughs) i think that's definitely my favorite one and it's got so many wonderful correspondences um you know from mourning the our beloved dead to honoring our ancestors being you know celebrating which is new year so many things you can do with it so so salon is that on halloween or that is halloween that's what that's what the mundanes call halloween yeah Okay, yeah. you call it Sa- Salin. How do you spell it? Salin. Uh, uh, it's Gaelic, so it does, it's pronounced completely different than the way it sound, uh, uh, sounds. S A M H A I N. Samhain. So you might hear some uh, stupid Christians sometimes saying, Samhain, God of the witches. That's not at all. Samhain is not a deity, it's Samhain. It's a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And it's coming up. Yeah, I know. This year we're doing a bunch of stuff with um, brooms and staffs. We're going to do um, some old uh, European broom and staff dancing to raise okay. energy for our spell. Okay. That's going to be a lot of fun. Now, is anybody allowed to go or do you have to have a special invite? We take pretty much anybody as long as they're teens or adults. We've done 20 years of family with kids uh, okay. and that's fine. But we want to be able to be a bit more free with what we do and how we talk and imbibing, you know, things. That's really it. Really, all we want is somebody that's reverent mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to participate because we don't allow looky-loos. We can't just sit on the sidelines and go, just let me watch. No, <laughs> we will have you dancing. We will have you moving. We will have you going, woohoo. <laughs> you know? Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So, because I'm going to try to get this um, out, obviously, before Samhain. So, if anyone's in Asheville, can we put yeah, it? Yeah, on, on, we always do it on Samhain proper, uh, Halloween. So, this will be a Wednesday. We start at 7 p.m. and we go until. All right. Because um, magic takes as long as it takes. And where will it be located? At our Kevinstead uh, at 113 Clinton, uh, like the President Avenue in West Asheville, uh, in North Carolina with a 28806 zip code. Okay. And um, yeah, uh, all the deets uh, are on our website, oldenwild.org. Um, and you'll learn, you know, who, what, when, where, why, and, uh, you know, just come, come on and, and have some sacred fun with us. That's so fun. So I, um, I wanted to ask you, what is, the, what is the association with the broom and witches? Well, um, it, everything about witchcraft, all our tools, has symbolism. Okay. And for the broom, it represents sex. The broom part is the female bush. 
And the handle represents the male penis. No way. And so conjoined, they're unified. There you go. I had no idea. Yeah. And then in uh, the past, people would share each other's brooms because they would have yeast on them Mm -hmm. and different kinds of things from that area. And they would stir their, their brews, their liquor, their beer, their wine, their ale or whatever with it. And it made that county's brew, that, that taste, uh, the specific taste, that area. And so there's a lot of, of uh, magical history with the brew. So that's why they say stirring your witch's brew. Yes. And of course, you know, there's the whole thing about flying on a broom. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because a lot of our dances involve things that look like flying. Ah. And sometimes if you get into a, a religious ecstasy, you will. Oh. The men are going to be uh, dancing with their staves. Women are going to be dancing with their brooms. And we'll just see what happens. What? So you actually love it. Sometimes you actually go. Yes. Oh, yes. People have it wrong. People think that they need to be like a guru and sit Indian cross-legged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just, you know, grok their belly button and somehow they're just going to mysteriously rise up off the air. <laughs> That's not how it works, folks. You have to start by dancing. And then as you dance, you get a uh, higher and higher uh, spiritual ecstasy going. Wow. And before you know it, you're off the ground. That's amazing. So who plays music? Who, what music are you listening to? This year, we're going to be listening to um, Mystery at Napur. Uh, It's from a world music CD called Silk Road. It's just beautiful. It's got the right kind of beat and the right kind of mystery for what we're going for. We use all those. We'll we'll use candlelight and incense and uh, tools and music to create the ambiance to make magic happen. And then we'll, we'll make it happen. That's so awesome. Okay, so who would you rather play in a movie? The Wicked Witch... And the Wizard of Oz, one of the witches of Eastwick, or Nancy Downs in the craft? I don't think either three represent me. I think okay. I'm most close to um, Aunt Franny okay. uh, in uh, Practical Magic, the movie. Ah, okay. Have you ever seen that? I have not. I have to go back. Got to check that. I'm very Aunt Franny. Okay. Uh, I have a wicked sense of humor. Um, uh, I'm not afraid to work dark spells. Okay. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm not easily amused by fools. Mm. Uh, so I think I'm more Aunt Franny. Okay. Fair enough. And then did you have, what do you think of the Disney witches? Like, did you ever like any of those growing up? Like, Ursa? I was never exposed to them because they wouldn't let me. They thought Disney was demonic. Oh my God. So I didn't really have, like I say, I didn't have anybody to emulate. Um, they didn't even start writing books till I had, I'd been a witch quite a while. Um, uh, they didn't start printing them till the eighties, very late eighties. And so it's, uh, not been long, um, since that. And we certainly didn't have any Harry Potter or anything like that. One of the worst beatings I ever got was when I memorized the, the, the words to the song Prestidigitation. I don't know if you remember that one, but I think it was. Something about the Sorcerer's Apprentice and uh, Merlin was trying to teach. It has a lot of almost barbarous words of power sounds oh. on it. Piggledy, piggledy, da 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 da. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 
memorized. Yeah, well, I memorized that. Somehow I, I got hold of that. And they beat me so bad. Oh, oh my gosh. That's so, so yeah, I didn't have any, uh, I didn't have any Disney models, unfortunately. But I love Maleficent. I, I dig her. Oh, you do? I do. Oh, I cool. have a lot in common with her. She's, she's righteous. That's she awesome. is. She, uh, you know, she has righteous wrath. She's skeptical. She's nobody's fool, but she can, she has a heart. That's so interesting. Cause I literally looked through about 20 different witch pictures and I was like, this is to post that I was going to be talking to you. And I was like, mm -hmm. yep, this is the one. Yeah. Yeah. And so last question, are you a fan of Harry Potter? Did they get it right? Um, she got some things right, um, okay. but the hodgepodge nature of it gives a lot of real witches squeams. Oh, really? Because um, she could have done better. Okay. Um, I'm glad that it opened up a lot of young people's minds yeah. um, to it. Um, certainly some of the things that she depicts, we can and do do. Uh, so that's a good start. Uh, and I'm not against it. What would you tell her to do better? But she got McGonagall, right? Okay. Professor McGonagall. Right. That's very, that's very crone witch like me, you know, <laughs> good and bad, you know. Mr. Potter, <laughs> you know, I mean, she's very prim and proper and, you know, I can be that way too. Um, so they, she got a lot of the characters right. And that's, okay. there are, you'll see all of those kinds of characters in the great wider Wiccan community. Mm. Well, before we shout out to your website and all that stuff, is there any other things you wanted to say or anything else you wanted to add? I think what I would like to people to know mm -hmm. is that, being uh being a witch is it's fun mm -hmm. uh i don't know why <laughs> people think it's going to be all dour it's not it's fun or i wouldn't be doing it right um and it's um but it is especially you'll fare far better in it if you can read enjoy reading enjoy learning unusual things mm -hmm. um you know, there's just going to be some memorization that goes along with it that you're just going to have to keep in your head, you know, but you're going to find a lot of fun and joy in it. The second it's not spirituality isn't fun, you know, and gives you that joy, it's probably not right for you. Uh, or it's, you've gone to the end of your road with it. Me, I've been doing it since I was 13. I'm 55 now and there's never a dull moment. And I'm, I learn something all the time, even when I'm blind. So I just want people to know, hey, have some fun. Yeah, well, you certainly make it sound fun with all the dancing and it is not letting anybody sit and watch and they have to participate. Uh uh, I'm so sorry. No, no. I wish I was gonna they be. love it, and kids do love it. And I wish I could have a million kids over here, but you know, even for a three story house, it's huge, uh, Covenstead, but still, you know, um, 6,000 people that would be a bit of a stretch, yeah. And I've had that before, so you know. Whoa. Slowly but surely paring it down to teens and adults. You're like a huge party planner. You're throwing a huge party. You have to be. You have to be. That's part of your duties as a high priest, priestess. You know, you have to plan the, the, the communal feast, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you have to assume that everybody's got allergies and everybody's a vegan, well, whatever. <laughs> you know? It's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's funny. Uh, it's a lot, but it's fun. You know, when it goes off really, really well, I mean, it's mm -hmm. so fulfilling. People leave with joy in their hearts. It sounds amazing. I'm so sad I'm not going to be here. So um, Next year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to come back. That's absolutely. So what do you cook? What do you, are you a good cook? Who does cooking? I'm a scratch cook, yes. And I had to, when I went blind, I had to have people come in and help me learn how to do it blind. 
Mm -hmm. um, and so I love to cook from scratch. And so I wrote a cookbook, Simply Savory, Magical and Medieval Recipes. And it's all about how to cook in a big, big cauldron, how you cook a full meal in one cauldron, how you do that. And also lots of stuff about, you know, um, Sabbath feast, year to the seasons and seasonal foods, depending on where you live mm -hmm. on the planet. And then I also write a whole lot about that in Rituals and Sabbaths, our other book, which mm -hmm. is all just about rituals and Sabbaths and what all you can do. You know, if you don't think you're crafty, well, there's a million other things you can do. Maybe you can use the magic of food. So, um, yeah, from all over, all uh, pe multicultural people's um, pagan habits at different times of year. You're a multi-talented woman. How many books have you written? About a dozen. That's incredible. Yeah. You're busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's no time, no time to waste. Uh, world's in a bit of a pickle. That's right. You know, sooner people uh, feel empowered, uh, the better they'll be. And maybe yeah. um, together, you know, we'll be able to stop some of the madness. Yeah, well, that's, that's definitely one thing that I'm, I've learned from this interview and just researching you and your coven is, is how giving, which is our, it seems like the whole purpose is to give back. Yes, because, I mean, if you just hoard your magic, then you die with it. Mm -hmm. Who benefits? Then what's the point? Uh, you, you know, you might jump up a couple of rungs on the evolutionary ladder, reincarnation wise, but, but seriously, I mean, that should be the point of becoming wise is to turn around and, and help people that are confused or, or at wit's end or, or just sad. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I have learned so much. I'm oh, good. Really appreciate you taking the time because I know this is your busy season. So. It is. <laughs> But, you know, um, I enjoyed talking with you and I appreciate your openness and uh, your questions are very, some um, questions I'm not always asked. And um, that's always fun. Awesome. So thank you. You're, you seem to be a real professional. I really appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, I want to plug, um, is it, so obviously the, the Sabin coming up and that we, we plug that. Definitely check that out if you're in town. Yes, check out our website because it's full of a lot of free um, educational and fascinating materials about all manner of things. Um, you can consult me if you want to. Um, there's a place on the website. We'll t talk you right through it. Um, there are free, you can get a free fortune. Um, there's just, you can get free, a lot of freebies that'll get you started. Um, and, um, dive in, don't be hesitant. All dive right. into it. And that's, um, old and wild spelled with an E at the end.org. And I'll put that all that in the show notes and underneath all the Sure. Thanks. And get some of our books, man. It'll blow your mind. Oh, the yeah. good one. I'm totally, I'm totally getting some of your books. Like, I, especially this, um, the spell one. The, yeah. What was it? Good well, one? you know, the, um, the first part's history. The second part's witch skills. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, uh, the third part, once you get all that down, uh, then you'll understand why you would use this or that for that spell. And it's mm -hmm. all explained. And we really don't, uh, we're not trying to be, uh, there's some things, obviously, we can't say because mm -hmm. of our oaths of secrecy. Mm -hmm. But in general, we like to be very forthcoming mm -hmm. and, and, and empowering, you know, rather than hang back and be all Ooh, mysterious. Right. Um, we want to share. That's amazing. You know? Well, Lady Passion, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this interview. Thanks. Um, good luck with uh, your future endeavors. 
Thank you so much. Okay. Call me if you need to. I will. Definitely will. Bye-bye. Okay. Blessed be. <laughs> Bye. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I don't know if I would become a full-fledged witch, but I'm definitely up for like a summer course. I just have to tell you as well. When the part where we were talking about Jim Henson and she pulled back her hair, first of all, she's so cool looking. She looks like Stevie Nicks, like they could be sisters. Let me just paint the picture. She had on really cool sunglasses. But when she pulled back her hair and showed me her pointy ears, I may not have said anything, but she 100% resembles a gelfling from the Dark Crystal. What? Okay, this is one of the reasons why I do this podcast, because I want to meet supernatural beings and talk about supernatural things i don't know i feel like a kid in a candy store i hope you do check out her website get one of her books and of course check out Sawin with her like what i want to play with fire i want to at least watch people play with fire i might not want to jump in quite yet you know i like my hands but I definitely would want to check out people playing with fire. And yes, I want to see some levitating. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Happy Samhain.